0: Breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on one oh one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. One oh one
1: seven FM, seven ten Kiel. Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, the man with the greatest job in the world. If if I had any name recognition, man, I would run. I'd, I'd run for your job.
2: <laughs> well, wait till I'm finished.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to worry. <laughs> You've got a great job. We uh, we just wrapped up. Uh, I think, a, from what I can gather, a very successful Mardi Gras season. Uh, shreveport Bozier record crowds.
2: Yeah, I, I think we're going to see record crowds when all the numbers end statewide. Um, we anticipated this uh, after the Rose, the Macy's and Rose Parade, seeing traffic to our website, bookings skyrocketing all over Louisiana. And I think having the queens and, and the representative from every part of the state, the young lady from Shreveport representing Shriners Hospital, celebrating the 100 years of that incredible hospital, um, but talking about all the Mardi Gras all over the state, uh, interviewing all over the country and the world at the Rose Parade for three days uh, prior to that parade really got people excited about coming to Louisiana.
3: Okay, the, the parades in New Orleans, there were, there were a lot of concerns about security, but crowds still showed up to the Crescent City this year, huh?
2: It really did, but, you know, we've got to get a grip on it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm very outspoken. Uh, they, they arrested 19 people, and they let, took their guns and let them go home, one with a loaded machine gun. If someone comes to your house and you have a loaded machine gun and not a special permit, you go to jail. This person was carrying it on the street, and they let him go home. Um, that's why they got a crime problem. They don't put anybody in jail. Mm-hmm. And, um, and until that stops, and the DA and the judges uh, crack down, the same people are committing crimes over and over. Don't spend any time in jail till they kill somebody.
3: Billy, you know when I when my boys were young, they're grown men now, and but when they were young, it was nice to take a, a weekend getaway to New Orleans and take them to the the aquarium and and to the World War II museum and, and to the the park and the zoo. I would be if I were a parent today with young children, I would second guess that weekend getaway. Is that going to be devastating for New Orleans?
2: It already is. You know, I, I hold my breath every day waiting. For one of these famous restaurants to say, we've had enough. Um, we've got to make a change quickly. There's several clubs that are operating down there that doesn't attract, uh, the crowd we want down there. Um, you know, every now and then they'll run out of those clubs and start shooting people. Um, we've got to, we've got to clean it up. And, um, you know, that's why we made an attempt to have legislation passed to make it a, state park or a special state historical district and manage it with a new board uh, set up with people that live and work there to make sure we clean it up and make it safe. There's not enough voters down there. Um, They've got to realize it's important to a state asset. Um, And and if people quit going there, it's going to affect tourism for the whole state. And that's why I'm so proud of, of our team all over the state, the tourism folks from Shreveport, all the way down to Morgan City, Houma, that helped us promote Mardi Gras, family-friendly, safe, affordable Mardi Gras in every corner of the state. And despite uh, the problems in New Orleans, we're seeing visitors come to every part of Louisiana.
1: Well, you've got to have strong leadership. You've got to have strong city leadership. Chicago, just recently, voters uh, have elected to make a change. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll happen in New Orleans and and we'll get somebody that's going to be uh, proactive in in getting a handle on crime. Because as New Orleans goes, goes the state of Louisiana.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, uh, they did get enough signatures for the recall. They are certifying them now. And if things go as they should... There will be a recall election. Hopefully the governor will call it sooner rather than later because I don't think we could, uh, you know, the the city is in a a spiral spin and it's not good. And uh, with all the positive things going on in Louisiana, we surely need a shakeup in New Orleans to change things.
3: Billy, let's turn our attention to one of the other things for the spring that makes Louisiana so exceptional. It's our crawfish. And I'm going to make a public confession today, that I I'm, I'm not eating boiled crawfish right now because you know I've been uh, home on medical leave with a sling, I have a sling on my arm, so I don't want crawfish juice on my sling. So I got some <coughs> crawf- I got some crawfish tails, and and, and the package said boudros. So I thought, cool, this is Louisiana. I get it home, it ain't. It's no. it's this fake Chinese bullsnoggle. What what makes it? Real Louisiana crop. We've got to look for that, don't we?
2: You really do. Let me tell you, they've gotten really smart, and they've bought in names that sound Louisiana, sound Cajun. Um, and, you know, it's a big thing right now. We're asking people to ask when they go in a restaurant, is it Louisiana, is it local? And um, and also in the stores, they've gotten very, uh, you know, packaged in China, but it says Louisiana uh, buy you crawfish, but it's not. And so uh, they've been very uh, slick in, in packaging this stuff, but there is definitely a difference. And we're, we're fighting right now uh, under the Seafood Promotion Board trying to get our delegation to introduce legislation that they will charge 5 or 10 cents a pound for imported seafood. That will allow them to hire thousands of inspectors because right now we inspect less than 5% of that seafood come in the country and some of it is rejected because it's grown in unsafe conditions. Mm. So if you saw where this stuff was grown you surely would eat it. Yeah, so we want the federal government to do their job and inspect more.
1: I've I've seen products like so hot sauce that has Louisiana in the name and it's 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 bottled in New Jersey or something. It's <laughs> they're they're trying to capitalize on our good name, Lieutenant Governor. Yeah, we
2: got some work to do there.
1: I've got a question on, uh, of course, we're talking about crawfish season. What is this? Is this pardoning of crawfish? What? What is? Is that like the pardoning of the turkey at Thanksgiving at the White House?
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually came up with that after hearing the president, when I first got elected, bragging about this turkey running around. The, and I said, why don't we just pardon the crawfish? So every year for the last seven years, the first Tuesday after Mardi Gras, we take one lucky crawfish out to Louisiana swamps. We give him a police escort to a location. <laughs> this year it was in Bro Bridge. And, and we pardon him and let him live his life out in a state park while the rest of his family gets balled alive. Mm,
3: wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and Ouch. It, gets,
2: it, it brings a lot of attention to an incredible industry. A lot of men and women. We've got over 1,000 farmers in Louisiana. Produce more crawfish than anywhere in the world. Bro Bridge is the crawfish capital of the world. So we were able to have a school escort that crawfish down to the riverbanks. We pardoned him, uh, ate some crawfish and, uh, and celebrated the incredible season we have in Louisiana that, uh, that brings those mud bugs uh, out the ground.
1: 101.7 FM, 710 KEO, Mike in McCarty.
3: There is a measure proposed for lawmakers to discuss this special, se- not special session, regular session, to legalize recreational marijuana in Louisiana. Let's um, look
1: at Colorado and see how well it's worked there. It's
3: not going to happen. I mean, I you know... A for effort. It, it's been tried over and over again, you know. But it, but at this time, it's uh, Representative Candace Newell of New Orleans. Her bill would decriminalize, decriminalize possession and distribution of marijuana, and it would put a regulatory system in place, including a sales tax. So when you bought your your weed, you you pay a sales tax. The state would collect money from it. Um, it has com- um, what's it called? legislation that goes along with it i forget what you call it that a companion bill that would provide for the regulation of the the cultivation manufacture and retail sale of cannabis products it would kind of be like casino licenses we'd have 10 licenses for cannabis production facilities i want one can i have one (laughs) if you're only gonna have 10 can we can we use see, the that's backyard another thing here i don't
1: understand and look i you know what if 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 you can go to a store on just about any corner in in town and buy this you know maker's mark what's the difference in in i mean is there it, uh. is it's not it's not a gateway drug i don't believe
3: some maybe, people maybe. will disagree i mean okay. some, some people will disagree i you know i people that that use marijuana right now it's legal medicinally in louisiana and it's pretty easy to go get a prescription if you want one i mean you you can there are a lot of conditions that you can we, we should talk to the expert but
1: has <laughs> been i'm
4: sorry who's, uh, who's been, who's been the, uh, i uh, fell asleep over here <laughs> what,
3: what is the difference between you using marijuana and you using maker's mark
4: uh, there really isn't uh, i I mean, isn't, well, isn't
3: that more da- in the in the, the booze alco- more, different, the, more d- dangerous? The alcohol, the
4: alcohol will kill you. Uh, eventually, smoking weed will give you emphysema, mm-hmm. and eating too many edibles because it seems all the edibles have to be candy. I don't know why. Uh, you know, might give you, you the can't diabetes. You Take a pill
1: or something. I, they yeah. have
4: they have tinctures and stuff, but if you want like you know a specific amount, not out of a dropper. Mm-hmm. It, it For some reason, it has to be candy, but
1: it, either way. Uh, and by the way, the reason I have a bottle of unopened, it's <laughs> yeah. still got the pla- the, mm-hmm. the the wax seal. Um, a client nice.
3: brought it back
1: one day after a session here. Nice. I, I, yeah, I had a recording session with a client, and he okay. came back and, and, and brought me a gift, and I thought okay. that was very nice.
3: But let me ask you, Ruben, and we're running out of time here, um, if you're under the influence of alcohol as opposed to under the influence of marijuana behind the wheel of a car is there no difference in in which one's more dangerous don't
4: don't do either of those right do oh, not, sure? absolutely. absolutely do not do either right. of those. your reaction yeah. time is going to be it's, uh, increasingly uh, okay. diminished yeah so so as far as driving goes yeah whatever uh as far as running into somebody like bumping into somebody in a dark alley i'd rather bump into the marijuana guy than the drunk guy for
1: sure
3: Okay. Okay.
1: Well, and that's you. why they've you you don't hear DWI anymore. It's DUI. DUI. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you under could be, the influence. Yeah. You
3: could be under the influence of oxy that wasn't prescribed for you, right. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I mean, the, the bill's being proposed. Uh, it has a point one percent chance, maybe.
4: Yeah. It's. It's not. It's not going to happen.
3: DOA. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I
1: bring up Colorado is because there are studies that have shown, and I don't have any in front of me, I can't quote specifics, mm-hmm. how production has dropped yeah. in the state of Colorado uh, as far as the workforce. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's literally, they've had a decrease in, in production.
3: People are staying home eating chips.
1: yeah <laughs> We've got some storms coming into the area, some possibly severe. We'll speak with uh, the Weather Channel meteorologist Richard Llewelling. That's what he's saying. Yep. Richard Llewelling at the Weather Channel. Next. FM, 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty. By the way, we do have some storms heading into our area uh, later this morning. And then also this afternoon, we'll speak with... Uh, meteorologist richard lobelling from the weather channel coming up here in uh, just a few minutes
3: absolutely and we're working on that uh if you if you missed uh, the billy nungus are working on a post for keelnews.com he's talking about uh serious problems in new orleans that are now impacting our entire state
1: i was actually kind of surprised at, at a couple of the comments that he made
3: mm-hmm. absolutely um, he said the city's I in a spiral and it's not good um, he says the recall petition. It looks like they've been certified and they have enough signatures uh, for a recall election. And he's calling on the governor to call that election ASAP to make changes. He 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 actually said, if you missed that interview, he said one of the one of the suspects caught in New Orleans during Mardi Gras was toting a machine gun An and was
1: automatic let, weapon. And let yeah. go home, which is a federal offense.
3: Yeah, and they sent him home. I, I just don't understand. It's these
1: it. Soros funded DAs in these large cities, mm. uh, including Chicago, New yeah. Orleans, that their primary goal is to let criminals out.
3: And they're wreaking havoc. And as he's told us over and over again, as goes tourism in New Orleans, so goes tourism in our state. Absolutely. This matters to all of us. Absolutely. It should matter because it'll impact our entire state.
1: Find out more about the uh, 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 upcoming storms coming up next with Mike and McCarty. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, meteorologist Richard Llewellyn from the Weather Channel joining us this morning. Uh, Richard, how worried should we be about these uh, storms coming in?
0: Uh, I think we should be pretty concerned about uh, the event that's going to happen tonight. It looks like this is going to be a pretty uh, nasty uh, regional severe weather outbreak that we're going to be dealing with here. Storms will start to fire up uh, late this afternoon. Uh, between abilene and dallas and then they will start to march eastward as we head into the late afternoon and evening hours and it looks like uh, by the time they get to us here in the architect it's probably going to be you know a uh, late evening overnight type of an event for us here as uh, we could see some stronger storms that we'll try to develop out ahead of the main line a little bit later on this afternoon of this evening but the bigger show i think is going to be during the uh, evening and overnight hours tonight and then by three four o'clock tomorrow morning everything should be off to the east but uh, we've got all modes of severe weather today uh, we were looking at potential of uh, damaging winds greater than 75 miles per hour with some of these uh, stronger thunderstorms that'll come through hail greater than two inches in diameter the hail threat is greatest just up to our north. It looks like from about Dallas and Tyler uh, up to about Texarkana. And just clipping the northern end of northwest Louisiana, north of Shreveport, north of Interstate 20, looks to be about where the greater chances of two-inch hail or greater is going to be. And then, of course, all of us are in this large area with the uh, potential for isolated uh, tornadoes, and there could be several tornadoes that could be long-tracked. Right now, our TORCON value is showing a 70% chance of tornadoes for northeast Texas, northwest Louisiana, and southwest Arkansas.
3: Okay, when the tornado activity, and and you'd say overnight, that's frightening. People are sleeping. They're they're not going to realize what's going on. What are some things we should do now? Be ready.
0: Uh, Make sure you have your cell phone charged, and make sure you have the alert notification on on your cell phones. Uh, you may want to leave the radio and TV on tonight, too, just in case, um, you know, warnings are issued. It's going to be one of these nights you're going to be sleeping with one eye open, unfortunately, because these are going to be some nasty storms as uh, they work on through here. You know, we're looking at, you know, timing these storms out probably between uh, 8 p.m. and about 3 a.m. tomorrow morning is when the worst of the weather is going to be rolling through the Arklatex. I think by daylight tomorrow everything is over toward the Mississippi River and moving on over into Mississippi at that point. But, you know, we're going to have uh, several hours where we're going to be dealing with the potential for severe weather, you know, and it just gets underway. It, it'll be forming probably about three o'clock this afternoon, probably west of Dallas and then probably getting into Dallas and Waco around their evening commute this evening. And then it will just march eastward and, you know, probably eight, nine o'clock tonight is when we'll start to see the beginnings of this here in uh, Shreveport itself.
1: We're going to drop into the, back into the 40s, too, uh, behind this storm, looks like. I, I was thinking maybe that cooler weather was behind us.
0: No, we still have a chance to see some uh, cooler temperatures, especially for overnight low temperatures. We've got a beautiful weekend coming up. I mean, tomorrow's going to be spectacular, even though it will be a little breezy tomorrow. Uh, we're going to see temperatures tomorrow in the upper 60s, and we'll be in the mid-70s uh, for Saturday and near 80 on Sunday. Uh, So a couple of cool nights coming up. We warm things up again next week, and it looks like by the time we get toward uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday is when we're going to see our next chance for showers and thunderstorms. And I think we're going to start to see some cooler temperatures. In fact, much of the country will try to cool off again one more time uh, before I think we are one and done with the uh, potential for any more cold weather. We see here at Shreveport, uh, as we move into late next week and the uh, next weekend coming up daytime temperatures in the low and mid-60s and some nighttime lows coming back down into the 40s again. And it looks kind of wet and stormy too as we look on out into late next week and the weekend too. Looks like we have several days of uh, good chances for showers and thunderstorms. So, uh you know, we're going to be moving more into a kind of a wet and unsettled weather pattern with some cooler temperatures as we head toward mid-month.
1: We're talking with Richard Llewellyn with the Weather Channel. Richard, can you tell us, uh, just kind of look forward into our, our spring and summer? Are we in for a, a mild uh, spring summer, a, a hot, brutal summer? What are, what are we looking at? Can you can you tell us?
0: Well, it's, it's looking like, you know, we are we're trying to transition uh, into a more of a neutral phase in regards to you know, whether or not we have either a La Nina or an El Nino type year coming up, you know, and it looks like uh, we're going to probably end up going into a neutral phase as we move toward, you know, the the late spring and early summer. If that happens, you know, it looks like we will probably end up with just a, you know, a normal hot summer coming up for us, you know, tropical activity will kind of dictate, you know, how much, rain we get you know because normally normally here lately it's been we've been having these long dry summers that we've been dealing with so tropical activity will dictate what type of precipitation chances we're going to get later in the summer so you know i think that's where probably where we're going to be ending up you know it looks like spring will be dealing with these off and on showers here probably through march and april we get toward may we start to dry things out and then, and then it's just dry and hot as we move into june july and august like we normally see okay richard so
3: I'm sorry. One more thing. Um, when i got to back the truck up just a minute. When you talked about 70-mile-an-hour winds earlier, yeah. that can do some damage, too. It can, it can blow some shingles off. It can blow some trees down. We need to be aware of that as well, correct?
0: We sure do. In fact, uh, we'll probably see uh, some uh, power outages as well as a result of those straight-line winds that we'll get uh, with the storm. I don't think this is going to be a classical-type deal where... You see these, uh, you know, there may be one or two supercells that try to form out on ahead of the main line, but it's looking like this is probably going to turn out to be more of a squall line type of deal, where we just see a line, a line of just intense winds out in advance of the thunderstorm complex that rolled through later tonight. So that could definitely cause some issues with power outages. So we got to keep that in mind too. If you think you're not in a safe structure, you make sure you, that uh, you go someplace that you're going to be in a safe structure tonight because uh, we could definitely see uh, some uh, major problems with the winds later this Mm -hmm. evening and then the overnight tonight.
1: Richard Llewellyn with the Weather Channel. Thank you for uh, giving us an update, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. Sean Wilson, DOTD Secretary, coming up just... 101.7 One oh one seven FM seven ten KEO. Mike and McCarty. Richard Llewellyn is a just a joy to talk to. Oh and I'm not being sarcastic. He's no. really he's so really smart. good. Yeah, it sounded like I was being a, a, a smart. Ass. Well, despite the dire situation. Yeah, he's a he's a
4: he's a very good meteorologist. And I,
3: and I hate to joke about it, but someone engaged the dang Barksdale bubble. Cause it doesn't sound good.
1: Oh yeah, let's get that kicked in now.
3: Yeah, turn that thing on. Get back from your vacation. Turn it on. Cause it's a, seventy mile an hour winds. Is that's yeah. approaching hurricane.
1: And I've got huge pecan trees all around my house. Oh wow, those are, that always kind of worries me. Yeah,
3: but, how close to the house?
1: Oh, one right in my backyard. Ooh. I mean, like yeah, wow. right Pow, hitting the and house. To, yeah, all around my house. Broadmoor at one time was a pecan plantation i think okay you know so but he mentioned el nino and la niña okay okay
3: yeah what's the difference
1: well according to Mm weather.gov el nino and la niña represent opposite extremes in the southern oscillation the enso cycle refers to (laughs) This will clear it up for you. <laughs> the coherent and sometimes very strong year-to-year variations in sea surface temperatures, rainfall, air pressure, atmospheric—yeah. El Niño refers to the above-average sea surface temperatures that periodically develop, and it represents. The I'm out. Warm... I'm out.
3: He lost, you. Lost me about 30 I'm seconds. Trying to <laughs> clear it up, and it's like. Yeah, I'm with you. Come on, Ruben, let's wake us up.
1: <laughs> well, you gotta read. These are scientists oh that are writing this. Please, it's like legislators trying to write a proposed ballot and
3: revise artificial <laughs> two, where to where wherefore thou art to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to make sense of this gibberish don't gibberish on us Uh, it's gonna be wet and stormy tonight yeah
1: bad maybe somebody smarter than me can go look you moron this is what it means
3: 8 p.m to 3 a.m that's the worst possible time
1: see okay for me i'd rather sleep through it I'd rather wake no. up Friday morning and have the sun shining and no, be a beautiful wanna day. No, I want to know
3: if I need to get my behind in the bathtub. I'll figure
1: I, I'll need to know when the tree hits the roof.
3: Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you're gonna have to jump up and get a chainsaw. And don't chainsaw. You're 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 not you're not fit to chainsaw <laughs> anymore.
1: What are you <laughs> talking about? You're not I fit love to my cha- chainsaw. You're gonna uh, you're
3: gonna uh, hurt, hurt yourself. Why not? <sighs> yeah, I love
4: done. I my
1: chainsaw. I I. Look, I have gotten to the point in my life, and and fortunately, able financially to mm-hmm. go, you know what? I ain't fooling with this. Yeah, I, There's somebody that knows much more about it than I do. There's chainsaw guys with better backs, okay? We went and bought a new dishwasher, okay? Yeah. How much is the installation? Like, okay. Ended up getting installation free because Perfect. of the di- I'm like, <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. You would have tried to install a dishwasher? Oh, I've done
1: it. I put in it. I put in our whole sink thing in our bathroom, uh, the whole sink cabinet, and hooked up all the plumbing. I mean,
3: okay, that's the why the house is you flooded twice, do. right? No. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm not a complete man.
1: imbecile. No, okay, I'm a partial no. imbecile. Stop
3: the chainsawing! You know the Shreveport Volunteer Network I can help you. I finally have a
1: chainsaw that works, so I oh, love my gosh. chainsaw. <sighs>
3: There's, there comes a point, men, when you need to stop chainsawing.
1: Well, I'm not at that point yet, so. <laughs> I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson spoke with us uh, yesterday um, about the Jimmy Davis Bridge Project and his future plans. Uh, You'll hear that conversation after the local news after 7, 101.7 FM, seven. Seven FM Seven Ten Kiel Mike and McCarty. Little uh, program change. We'll do uh, talk with Sean Wilson coming up at seven forty. Yeah,
3: if you missed that, I've, I completely mixed up my my schedule for this week. I, I think my medication is kicking in too late. So, <laughs> and I promised Alan Jackson the seven ten time slot, and he could, we couldn't do it yesterday because the Lieutenant Governor. So he agreed to come in today. So thanks for being here.
5: Thank you for having me as always, Doctor Alan Jackson,
1: Treeport City Councilman. Uh, you guys have had a, a busy couple of weeks. It's been exciting, mm-hmm. it, at least. It you, has been boring. <laughs> well,
3: kind of, a, kind of a split vote, kind of a little bit of contention with regard to the appointments. Let's walk through um, your Director of Council Affairs. Tell us about R.J. Johnson, who he is, why he was your selection.
5: So, first and foremost, let me take a step back, and I was really, really excited about the open meetings laws coming to fruition. Um, I think having those interviews in the public setting um, was really, really good. You know, so I, I had some concerns with that, uh, as I mentioned before. But we got so many phone calls; so many people were able to participate and watch those interviews that I was able to get a lot of feedback as to which candidate um, the public thought, you mm-hmm. know, did an excellent job. Um, for me, um, it was only two candidates that, that had actually had already done the work, um, meaning was um, worked as a legislative assistant before. Um, that was R.J. Johnson and that was uh, Ms. Washington. So those were definitely my top two. Um, and I just feel like R.J. Johnson did a slightly better job in his interview. So majority of my vote was simply based on how they performed in the interview process and looking over their resumes.
3: Was this done too fast? That's the that's the criticism. Uh, were background checks done? Do we know enough about the fo- the folks that have been appointed? Um, are there issues with regard to that?
5: So I don't think it was done too fast. And, and, and for those who are f- familiar with corporate America, typically um, most entities do not have the money to do professional background checks prior to a selection process. So usually um, candidates apply. They get selected. Um once we make a recommendation, then that's when that company would invest into a background check. so that process is going on now um keep in mind, um we use h r for this entire process mm-hmm. um so h r will run the thorough background check um and let counsel know if if they find anything
1: okay um so the background check is taking place. After the hire has already been done,
5: well, the background check is is taking place kind of after the I'm I'm calling the recommendation of of hire, if 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 you will. Um,
1: so they're not employees yet. No, no. Shenerica isn't. Uh, she's not the clerk of council. She yet.
5: she will go through a, a background check as well, okay. just like our previous employee mm-hmm. did, uh, Ms. Kendra Joseph. Uh, that, F- that was I
1: don't mean to be disrespectful.
5: No, no, no. You said the proper name, but I'm just yeah. describing. Just as just like uh, our previous clerk went through a background check after the confirmation, so that is still important. Um, mm-hmm. We do want the public to know that we are running background checks, just as we always have, um, and that process is always handled by HR.
3: What would be a red flag for you in, in that background check if something Something came back that was an ethical concern, or was a crime, or what, what, what would raise a red flag for you?
5: So, great question. So, honestly, anything on somebody's background check is, is something that I definitely want to look into, um, especially if it's involving kids or, or older folks, or you know, are stealing money. Um, all of those things are important to me. Um, we also want to consider the job that they're uh, they're applying for. They won't be in front of money if, if stealing was an issue. So we want to look at the job, the duties that they're going to be handling, and, and what may have been a concern in the past um, and also how long ago. So all of those things are important to me. But um, But stealing money, that that signifies a character issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. I mean, whether they're handling money or not, that should be a red flag. Yeah, it, it definitely does signify a character issue. You're correct. Um, so all of those concerns will be something that we will want to look into.
3: I did a little work on this, and, and you may or may not know, and I looked around to see what towns have these kinds of positions. And I found, quite honestly, I found a lot of city councils, each council member has a legislative <laughs> assistant, yeah. has somebody that is works for them. Do you think we're headed in that direction, where each council member in Shreveport could have a legislative aide?
5: So when we initially proposed this, um, this is more or less um, – me being um, responsible with the budget, um, we, I don't think we're there yet to have seven. We, we haven't got there yet, but this should be a start. Um, I think Mr. Johnson has already um, got off on the right foot. Um, I've, he emailed all council members um, asking to sit down with them to kind of give an idea of what they're looking for just so he can compose his plan with their plan. So I think that is a great start. Um, As we move forward, we'll see the workload. We'll see how successful the council can be with one person in that role. And then we'll make some decisions going forward. But first and foremost, we want to be responsible to the budget. And we also want to make sure that this position is working for all seven council members. um, And that's going to tip over into the public. The public should see a change. Uh, It should be an obvious difference um, because we want to be respectful to their tax dollars as well.
1: Well, and, and you bring that up when you say being responsible to the budget kudos i i i hope that effort is genuine it is but what about like we you know we can't pay police officers we're we're adding council staff uh but we can't we've got a 13 percent pay raise from one-time funding that it's not sustainable
5: what what about issues how are we going to address issues like that it's a great question so all of this kind of ties into, into hand so when, when you when we talk about what we do with the budget um You can't just continue to save money if debt is piling up. That's important. That's our initial mindset, you know, and and I do a lot of financial literacy classes. Saving when you have debt is not the answer. You have to figure out a way to cut down debt or increase revenue. The only way we increase revenue is by bringing more jobs in or finding a way to have outside people come to Shreveport to spend money. So those are two things at the top of our list, and this position is designed to help with all of that. When we think about outside jumps coming in, the first thing we look at is who's marketing Shreveport, you know, and, and why? Is that negative or positive? We have to be able to change that around. Um, I, I'm hoping media buys into that mindset that well, if you live here, if you're part of media, we have to do a better job of selling Shreveport. You can say that's the mayor's job, and, and I would agree. But in the spirit of social media, you have citizens in here that have over 100,000 followers. So now it's everybody's job. It's everybody's job to convince every single person here that Shreveport is a good place to live. You know, when we, we had a actor... Come into town and just immediately there was a spark of hope, you know, just just by one person making one visit for a couple of hours. That's how powerful social media can be in this space. So same thing. We have to be able to start changing the trajectory of how we market and advertise our city. And you're
1: talking about 50 Cent coming in, Absolutely. touring Millennium Studios. and Absolutely. Uh, what, what
3: independent is, Stadium independent, and yeah. stage works. I think, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm
5: also talking about just a regular citizen feeling good in of Shreveport could be that spark. That's how important it is. We can't just rely on the mayor's administration um, to be that spark. We have to start creating those things for ourselves. So, number one, this position, I've heard you call it the PR position. But number one, we have to inform the masses. We have to let them know that there are people in place that not only care about this city, they care about you, and we want to promote good things that's going on with Shreveport because once we save Shreveport, everybody benefits. If you have a business and we save Shreveport, we bring more people in, that business generates money. I don't care what sector you're in, private sector, the health sector, bringing in more people Everybody wins.
1: We got to take a break. Can you hold on with us? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Talking with Dr. Alan Jackson, Shreveport City Council, with Mike and McCarty. And we'll be back after this break. 101. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio, Shreveport Councilman Dr. Alan Jackson, uh, in studio with us. in Aaron, you were...
3: I want to ask you about the uh, Speed Zone camera enforcement. Yes. I saw Councilwoman Ursula Bowman say she has taken 3,000 calls.
5: Yes, yes. Uh, I know yes. you
3: probably have taken your share yes. of them. A lot of People calls, are a lot of ticked about this system that's right. not working properly. Okay, right. this
1: is Blue Line Solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, they run these in other cities. Absolutely. Do they, they, do. they have these issues? Are we, are we the only one? Why? So, Why are we having issues?
5: So, in the spirit of transparency, this partnership is not just on blue line it's a combination of blue line and the city and um, and from my vantage point when blue line came on board we were in tr- transitioning into a new administration so one administration is phasing out another administration is phasing in so it's almost like in having uh, a partner change if you will so mm-hmm. some of these issues are based on that a lot of the issues are based on the times um, blue lines didn't set the times the city of Shreveport set the times and And the times were set based on what was already there. So Blue Line simply came in and enforced what the original school zone times were. So these school zone times, 7 to 9, 2 to 4, has always been in place. The only difference is now we had an entity that was enforcing those times. When those times got enforced, some people felt like 2 to 4 did not encompass all schools. So the administration made a decision to change those times from 2 to 4 to two thirty to four thirty. that was made january 9th some thought went into the process mm-hmm. um, as well as hearing the complaints from the citizens they made that change january 9th to go into effect because the, the the kids were out of school they were on christmas break so we had time to change all the signage um get communications out we use media we use all the sources that we had at our disposal to get that information out so that's all schools
1: in Cattle Parish? That's all schools 2:30 in Cattle Parish. 2.30 to
5: 4.30. Correct. Okay. So the reason we did what I call block schedule, when you're just driving around, it's easy for you to memorize 7 to 9, 2.30 to 4.30, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of our school zones did not have flashing lights. And I want to speak on the flashing lights. Our ordinance says that the flashing lights was a courtesy. Because all school zones did not have flashing lights, that's why we chose to go with a block schedule. It was not Blue Line's um, responsibility to put up flashing lights for, for all. They just kind of mm-hmm. inherit some of the things that we already had going on. They just put up the cameras. Mm-hmm. Now the administration wants to do a third change. And the reason I'm saying the administration, I want the, the public to know the difference between Blue Line calling the shots and the administration calling the shots. And we're going to a third change based on the outcry of the public. So this third change will be a customizable time zone. Elementary, who goes in early and gets out early, will have one, have one time. Middle school, who goes a little bit later, okay. gets out a little bit later, will have another time. And then high school will have a third time. I'm not for the customized time zone change without flashing lights for all the school zones because if exactly. i'm driving around the city i can't remember if this is an elementary high oh, school yeah. so and now i Who need will
3: pay for those though, flashing signs? Blue
5: line has agreed to pay for that. Okay. Um
3: i have another issue with the program and and y'all ahead.
1: talked about it this week. I will just say all drivers be included right. in our school zone near my house there's no flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know there's a school there.
3: Right. I mean, odds are
1: you drive pretty much the same patterns Mm -hmm. a lot during your
5: day. And I'm not calling you out. I'm saying drivers pay attention. Right. The the
3: other issue was. I'm glad you
5: said that, though. Thank you. Um, Because that is true. However, when you point out issues. People want to get out of the responsibility of being held accountable. And if there are issues you can point out, I've had people read exactly what the media has wrote. Well, I went through, there was no flashing lights. I didn't see any school guards, no kids. That's exactly what was printed. And they was reading that to me in an effort to try to get out of a ticket mm-hmm. when... Some individuals live in that area. They know what a school zones are. So I appreciate that comment. The other
3: big issue is this fifty dollar fee, if I think I got a ticket that was invalid or was wrong, I gotta pay fifty bucks to Blue Line Solutions to appeal. Um, are you in favor of doing away with that?
5: Yes. And we did vote to do away with away with that. Mm-hmm. Also, in the spirit of transparency, that was something the city put in place. We put that in our ordinance. That's not something that Blue Line was even in favor of. It's actually caused them a headache, you know, because they don't deposit the money. They keep the money uh, separate. And so it's really a headache for them to collect it and get it back to, to the citizen. But didn't
3: you vote to postpone rather than, than do away with that fee?
5: No. So what was, okay. so it was two separate ordinance. What was voted to postpone was a moratorium on issuing tickets, Okay. but we did approve th- for the $50 to be taken away. Okay. Um, now, what I don't know is if that $50 is retroactive or starting today. And so, but we will get that information out to the public. Meaning if you appeal today, do you have to pay that $50? Um, so I don't have that answer, but we will get that information out to the public. I did
3: hear great information on this though, that, you know, People are slowing down. The whole goal of this Ooh, is to yes. keep our kids safer. <laughs> I mean yes. I know there have been there have been kinks and we should have worked those out from right. the beginning, but right. we didn't. Right. But we all want our kids safer. We want the cars Absolutely. to slow down.
5: Yeah. People are slowing down where there are no cameras. I went through a school zone on the way here. There's no cameras on that street, but people are still slowing down. So the word has gotten out. Um, That program is working in that retrospect, and that was designed of the program to make our kids safer in those areas, and that part is working. I've
1: I've watched people slow down in the school zone, and some idiot behind them pass them in the school zone. They're Mm -hmm. going around cars that are doing the speed. It's just Drives me crazy. Unbelievable. Right. Right. Well, uh, thank you for that update. Thank you. I hope Dr. you'll get Mister Johnson
3: in with us. If you can bring him when your next visit so we can have him in and talk okay. to him about what he's going to do. Absolutely. Love to have him.
1: Absolutely. Mike McCarty, 1017 FM. 1017 FM, 710 K.O. Mike McCarty. Yesterday, I, talk, I told you about... I was sitting outside, or the CVS. I pulled in and witnessed somebody just dumping trash out of their car right into the parking lot. So frustrating! It's it's very frustrating, and I, and I contemplated going up and just kind of saying not not being abrasive or you know, uh, but just saying, "Hey, hey, you dropped something," kind of.
3: You're going to calling if you, it out. If you approach somebody like that. That's going to be abrasive no matter how you did it.
1: Well, which is why I didn't do that's it. That's who they are. I'm not now. exactly. I'm right. not going to change their their way of thinking. Yeah, obviously, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. We got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board said, uh, Cody says, I'm late in sending this because I was unable to yesterday. But in regards to your conversation about the folks you witnessed throwing trash, uh, it is now a law in Louisiana that you have the ability to take a photo and report the incident, and the offender will receive a littering fine. Ooh. I'm not sure who to call, but the law was passed a year or so ago.
3: Oh, that's cool.
1: I actually thought about letting them see me take a picture of their car.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, you know, you're not going to change somebody that does that. Yeah. That's the, That's how they think. So.
3: Hmm, Okay.
1: Anyway, apparently there's a law. We can take a picture.
3: That's very cool.
1: (laughs) I don't know who you send it to.
3: (laughs) We will figure that out. We'll figure it out. Absolutely.
1: DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson spoke with us yesterday about the Jimmy Davis Bridge Project and other things. Hear that conversation next with Mike and McCarty. 101.7
5: F. 101.7 One oh one
1: seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson joining us and I know you're you're on a tight schedule, Dr. Wilson. Thanks for your time this morning.
6: Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation to visit with you today.
3: Yeah, your last three days as Secretary of DOTD, uh, I know you're on the way you out. Nailed it. But you are out. Uh, yes, you you are um, Open, they opened the bids for our Jimmy Davis Bridge and the Linear Park yesterday. Whopping numbers popped out. Were you stunned by how high, and can you describe what, what, what you learned?
6: Look, I am never stunned by what we see in this very volatile market. Um, we knew it was going to be more than what we anticipated. Uh, in full transparency, we were looking at about 225 to $230 million is what we thought that we would see. But remember, we don't bid these projects or we don't price these projects like the contractors do. We rely on the contractors to give us the prices that they get from industry. And so being so significantly higher than uh, where our estimate was, we've had that all along. I mean, these types of overages have come in for the last six to nine months, if not longer, uh, but not on big projects because we don't let these kinds of projects that often. Um, I will tell you, I don't see that there's going to be um, any reason for these prices to come down anytime sooner. Um, And as you all know, uh, Aaron, we have talked about this bridge for far too long, and I want to do everything I can to try and close the gap. And that's the governor's commitment. That's my commitment. I know that's uh, Senator Peacock's commitment. Uh, we have worked with him for years on this, and we are too close to not cross the finish line. So, so where do
3: you get the extra um, money? You, you, two twenty-five. The bids came in at three sixty. Where's the extra money coming from? You got it in your back pocket on the way out.
6: Oh, I wish I had it in my back pocket. But listen, there's there's resources available. Um, remember, the bipartisan infrastructure law that Senator Cassidy and Congressman Carter uh, helped pass uh, is providing us about a billion dollars for bridges over the next five years. Um, those are real resources that we can allocate a percentage of that uh, to this project because this project is going to take about five years to build. The reality is I can't use all of it on that one bridge because of our huge bridge needs all across the state. So that's going to be a part of the solution. Um, I think we're going to have to work with the governor and the legislature to try and get some additional capital outlay. I think there's an opportunity to get some additional um, surplus money that's available. Um, and, again, there's opportunities for us in the future to get what's called redistribution, recognizing that we do big projects all the time. We haven't let any in this market like this. We have an ability to cash manage and manage those expectations with a firm commitment to get these projects done. That's what we've done all across Louisiana, and that's what we will do for uh, this particular bridge.
3: Okay. Go ahead.
1: Talking with Dr. Sean Wilson, DOTD secretary. Dr. Wilson, I I like this idea of this linear park. I think it's something unique. I think it could be a positive thing for our area, but I'd like to see some some proposed drawings or some plans. Is there some way, do you have any of those published that people can get an idea of what we're looking at?
6: Um, we, We don't have those as of yet, because in the process, Remember, we had a competition, and we didn't want to have a competition of ideas to drive uh, the specifics of this selection process. And so we've allocated a certain amount of money and will require engagement with the public uh, locally to be able to do that. You've got several years. That's not going to be the first thing that we do. That's going to be the last thing that we're going to do. And so you've got – about a six- to nine-month window for engineering, maybe even a little longer for the four-lane bridge. And then immediately once that gets going, the firm will be able to start on the outreach and discussions in the community over the next year or so uh, beyond that time. Uh, So you're talking about a two-year window to be able to work on what those plans are, and maybe even longer. Remember, we've got to build the first four-lane structure first. And then we have to do some rehabilitation, and then you do the work on the linear park. And so you've got lots of lead time for design. That is not the major driver in the cost differential, by the way. Remember, we're dealing with everything from concrete costs, steel costs, workforce challenges, um, you know, those are long lead items that are real volatile and moving all across the board right now. So the linear park is a very small piece of what that difference is. I know there are going to be people that are saying, we drove the price up because of that. And that's just not the case. You're talking about a $10 million, $15 million differential, not the 150 to $200 million differential that you see. So it's the mainline structure as well as the repair work. So Um, You will get that in time, and it's going to need the input of the public to make it the right way. We don't have a preconceived notion other than we think the concept makes sense, and we know it works in other places. We've seen it. We've visited them. uh, And the public will make those decisions around that. And then the state parks, uh, with their partnership, is going to assume the responsibility for maintaining it after it's done.
3: Dr. Wilson, the the bids came in. They're, They're high but you accept them and you expect to make a deal with this company and move forward and not reject these bids and, and move move ahead. Is that the plan? Well,
6: well Look, I will tell you, um, our commitment is to deliver the project. We're going to do our due diligence. We've never just blatantly said we're going to accept a project because there's a process that we go through and review the estimate for uh, responsiveness and go out and look to make sure that there's nothing inappropriate or just blatantly wrong from what we see in the market. And remember, we monitor the prices and the unit cost of these things on a regular basis. So there's a way for us to go to say, look, these guys are trying to rip us off. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's the process. I think this is the real market forces that we see. And if we have the confidence that we can close the gap, we will accept that bid. That is what we want to do. That is the intentions of the department. That's the intentions of the governor. I can't tell you today that we have that difference already closed, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you we've got the tools and the roadmap to get there, and it's just a matter of pulling all the forces together to make it happen.
1: Talking with Dr. Sean Wilson, DOTD Secretary. Dr. Wilson, we know you've got three days left in office, so uh, speculation is a run for the governor's mansion. What, What are your plans that you can share with us?
6: Well, let me just speculate that I have had an amazing career here at DOTD over the last uh, seven years as secretary, over 15 years here at the department, and I'll be retiring with 26 years. Um, And I will be making an announcement, but I'm not going to do it today. Um, The most important thing is you can judge my record and my history uh, to make a decision about whatever I do going forward. And um, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this job um aaron's my friend uh we've talked a long time i remember that might have been one of the first interviews i did in shreveport um and while we always don't agree we are always respectful and honest and i will tell you this has been the hardest decision i've had to make uh to retire at 53 um after 25 and a half years of hard service um i love what i do I've said to Aaron before that public service is a ministry for me, Mm -hmm. and uh, I have just been blessed to have some of the most amazing people to work with, whether they're employees, whether they're legislators, whether they're folks in the communications industry like you all. Um, It's just been a joy serving all across Louisiana, and I am extremely proud of what we've been able to do at Barksdale, at Jimmy Davis, on I-49, on a host of projects. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no corner of this state that's left untouched. Uh, during my administration as secretary And I am very proud that we have Changed the face of Louisiana for the better And I think the department is better than it was When I found it and I just pray to God That it will be even better uh, Under uh, the next leader who's going to Finish these 10 months with John Bell uh, Governor Edwards I should say And um, and then who knows what's next
3: Yeah, Full transparency You are sitting on a plane in Atlanta um, Where are you headed? Are you job hunting? you Are you, nah, are you vacationing?
6: I am not vacationing. I am still on the state's dime. I am actually headed to the Ashto spring meeting. Um, I am, it's the actual winter briefing. Uh, It's where all of the state DOTs come together in Washington, that we spend time with our congressional delegation, uh, that we hear from Secretary Buttigieg. I'll be visiting with him tomorrow. Um, And we speak to those who are really running and administering government in the world of transportation. As you know, I was president of this organization, uh, the first one from Louisiana, the first African American in 107-year history, and um, there's no better place for me to end my term than with those folks who helped make a capstone. I will tell you, I am greatly disappointed uh, because I'm sitting here with a mask on on this plane. Um, I was uh, tested positive uh, over the weekend. I have just finished my quarantine. And so my retirement party was canceled. My last cabinet meeting was canceled. Uh, But I look forward to spending time with my employees and telling them thank you for their work and support over the years. They have just been absolutely amazing. And uh, rightfully so, uh, I want to have closure with them. And so I do look forward to rescheduling my retirement uh, social. And you, Aaron and uh, Mike, are invited to participate. Cool. Uh, If you all want to come down to Baton Rouge, I had hoped to making tours all around Shreveport, but uh, not just Shreveport, but all of the districts, and that's Mm -hmm. just not possible. So uh, I would love to see you to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your listeners Mm -hmm. um, and holding me accountable because I think in every step of the way I've risen to that occasion and my story hasn't changed.
3: You know, if if you're running for governor, you know my door's always open, sir. Appreciate your time.
6: Well, listen, if I run for governor, I might need more than your door. I might need your vote
2: support.
6: But, look, that's not an indication of anything other than me telling you uh, that that's what I'm talking about.
1: 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty solving the world's problems. If not the world's problems, shreveport Bozier's problems. Trying. trying. Wait, wait, there's this issue on the guaranteed income. hmm Sh- Now, this is Shreveport City money. Is this
3: correct? No, 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 no. nay on that's nay.
1: Okay. Um, I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm xing.
3: Half of the money came from a private entity. It's called the Mayors for a Guaranteed Income. And most of those programs that are being implemented, the money is only coming from that group. Uh, From a private entity, it's funds by, you know, that are donated by George Soros or whoever. And the money's doled out in different cities. That Now, Shreveport's been one of the pilot cities where 110 people got $660 a month for a year. The program's over. Problem is, Caddo Parish chipped in some money. I think they used American Rescue Fund's money for the program. I don't have the number right at the tip of my tongue at the moment, but about half of the funding came from Caddo Parish money that was came came from the feds, and they said, "Let's help so we can get to more people." And so, 110 people have been getting $660 a month for a year.
1: Um, no, and this is not. They're if, even if they're already receiving welfare funds yes they can yes. still get this on top of this that. was on
3: top of that the whole goal was you know if they're on public assistance they're still fighting poverty they're still struggling to get out of poverty the, the hope was you use this money to perhaps go to school to learn a skill to to advance your career some other way but the data is not yet out uh, I think that perhaps the United Way was administering the program here, and they're going to be doing, you know, follow-up interviews with everybody that got the money. But now it's up to our mayor to decide. I mean, this was all implemented by Adrian Perkins. Now it's up to our mayor to decide, do we try to keep it going? Do we try to do it another year? Um, I'm following up on it. I'll ask for more information. Uh, you know, you got to show me the data. You just can't keep giving people money for free. And hoping they're going to do better.
1: Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, meteorologist Richard Llewellyn from the Weather Channel joining us this morning. Uh, Richard, how worried should we be about these uh, storms coming in?
0: Uh, I think we should be pretty concerned about uh, the event that's going to happen uh, tonight. It looks like this is going to be a pretty uh, nasty uh, regional severe weather outbreak that we're going to be dealing with here. Storms will start to fire up uh, late this afternoon. Uh, between abilene and dallas and then they will start to march eastward as we head into the late afternoon and evening hours and it looks like uh, by the time they get to us here in the arklatex it's probably going to be you know a uh, late evening overnight type of an event for us here as uh, we could see some stronger storms that will try to develop out ahead of the main line little bit later on this afternoon of this evening but the bigger show i think is going to be during the uh, evening and overnight hours tonight and then by three four o'clock tomorrow morning everything should be off to the east but uh, we've got all modes of severe weather today Uh, we were looking at potential of uh, damaging winds greater than 75 miles per hour with some of these uh, stronger thunderstorms that'll come through hail greater than two inches in diameter the hail threat is greatest just up to our north. It looks like from about Dallas and Tyler uh, up to about Texarkana. And just clipping the northern end of northwest Louisiana, north of Shreveport, north of Interstate 20, looks to be about where the greater chances of two-inch hail or greater is going to be. And then, of course, all of us are in this large area with the potential for isolated uh, tornadoes, and there could be several tornadoes that could be long-tracked. Right now our TORCON value is showing a 70 percent chance of tornadoes for northeast Texas, northwest Louisiana, and southwest Arkansas.
3: Okay, when the tornado activity, and and you'd say overnight, that's frightening. People are sleeping. They're they're not going to realize what's going on. What are some things we should do now? Be ready.
0: Uh, Make sure you have your cell phone charged and make sure you have the alert notification on on your cell phones Uh, You may want to leave the radio and TV on tonight, too, just in case, uh, you know, warnings are issued. It's going to be one of these nights you're going to be sleeping with one eye open, unfortunately, because these are going to be some nasty storms as uh, they work on through here. You know, we're looking at, you know, timing these storms out probably between uh, 8 p.m. and about 3 a.m. tomorrow morning is when the worst of the weather is going to be rolling through the Arklatex. I think by daylight tomorrow everything is over toward the Mississippi River and moving on over into Mississippi at that point. But, you know, we're going to have several hours where we're going to be dealing with the potential for severe weather, you know, and it just gets underway. It'll be forming probably about 3 o'clock this afternoon, probably west of Dallas, and then probably getting into Dallas and Waco around their evening commute this evening. And then it will just march eastward and, you know, probably 8, 9 o'clock tonight is when we'll start to see the beginnings of this here in uh, Shreveport itself.
1: We're going to drop into the, back into the 40s, too, uh, behind this storm, looks like. I, I was thinking maybe that cooler weather was behind us.
0: No, we still have a chance to see some uh, cooler temperatures, especially for overnight low temperatures. We've got a beautiful weekend coming up. I mean, tomorrow's going to be spectacular, even though it will be a little breezy tomorrow. Uh, we're going to see temperatures tomorrow in the upper 60s, and we'll be in the mid-70s uh, for Saturday and near 80 on Sunday. Uh, so a couple of cool nights coming up. We warm things up again next week, and it looks like by the time we get toward uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday is when we're going to see our next chance for showers and thunderstorms. And I think we're going to start to see some cooler temperatures. In fact, in much of the country will try to cool off again one more time uh, before I think we are one and done with the uh, potential for any more cold weather we see here in shreveport uh, as we move into late next week and the uh, next weekend coming up daytime temperatures in the low and mid 60s and some nighttime lows coming back down into the 40s again and it looks kind of wet and stormy too as we look on out into late next week and the weekend too looks like we have several days of uh, good chances for showers and thunderstorms so uh you know we're going to be moving more into a Kind of a wet and unsettled weather pattern with some cooler temperatures as we head toward mid-month.
1: We're talking with Richard Llewellyn with the Weather Channel. Richard, can you tell us uh, just kind of look forward into our, our spring and summer? Are we in for a, a mild uh, spring summer, a, a hot, brutal summer? What are what are we looking at? Can you can you tell us?
0: Well, it's it's looking like you know we are we're trying to transition uh, into a more of a neutral phase in regards to you know, whether or not we have either a La Nina or an El Nino type year coming up, you know, and it looks like uh, we're going to probably end up going into a neutral phase as we move toward, you know, the the late spring and early summer. If that happens, you know, it looks like we will probably end up with just a, you know, a normal hot summer coming up for us, you know, tropical activity will kind of dictate, you know, how much, rain we get you know because normally normally here lately it's been we've been having these long dry summers that we've been dealing with so tropical activity will dictate what type of precipitation chances we're going to get later in the summer so you know i think that's where probably where we're going to be ending up you know it looks like spring will be dealing with these off and on showers here probably through march and april we get toward may we start to dry things out and then, and then it's just dry and hot as we move into june july and august like we normally see okay richard so I think what- a,
3: I'm sorry. One more thing. Um, when i got to back the truck up just a minute. When you talked about 70-mile-an-hour winds earlier, yeah. that can do some damage, too. It can, it can blow some shingles off. It can blow some trees down. We need to be aware of that as well, correct?
0: We sure do. In fact, uh, we'll probably see uh, some uh, power outages as well as a result of those straight-line winds that we'll get uh, with the storm. I don't think this is going to be a classical-type deal where... You see these, uh, you know, there may be one or two supercells that try to form out on the head of the main line, but it's looking like this is probably going to turn out to be more of a squall line type of deal where we just see a line, a line of just intense winds out in advance of the thunderstorm complex that rolled through later tonight. So that could definitely cause some issues with power outages. So we got to keep that in mind, too. If you think you're not in a safe structure, you make sure you, that uh, you go someplace that you're going to be in a safe structure tonight because uh, we could definitely see uh, some uh, major problems with the winds later this Mm -hmm. evening and then the overnight tonight. 101.7
1: 101.7 FM, 710 Kiel Mike and McCarty. Big issue going on right now. Huge. This is... I I, <laughs> but be, there, is, uh, there is legislation being proposed now on whether or not marijuana should be legal as recreational use in the state of Louisiana.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done it before. It's not the first time. But there's now a bill before the session that kicks off in April that would um, decriminalize the possession and distribution of marijuana. It would also in, put in place statutory regulatory system and sales taxes for the sale. There's also companion legislation that would set up um, the the beginning of 10 growers. So there would be 10 growing licenses across the state. Um Does it have a chance of passing? Probably not. It's probably not going to pass. We have a poll up at keelnews.com right now. Do you support recreational marijuana use in Louisiana? Let me click on it right now. 62% say yes. So if you disagree, you probably need to go vote because right now people are like, yeah, so I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. I don't I don't know I don't know if I have feelings strongly one way or the other. I mean, do you, Mikey Poo?
1: Strong feelings? No. I don't mm-hmm. because I I don't think you know, we we talked about this earlier this morning. I don't think marijuana is what they call a gateway drug leading to um harder more serious you know drug use. Mhm. Uh, But then there are some who says that it might be. We got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems Message Board because I commented about uh, Colorado, how production has actually gone down in Colorado Mm -hmm. since marijuana became legal. And, And somebody said, well, yeah, and meth use has actually gone up in Colorado. I wonder why. Ruben said it was the cartels. What? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, anywhere
4: you have big marijuana farms that are privately owned, unless you hire an army to guard them, the cartels are going to come in and uh, take over. Really? Yeah. I mean, you... And with the cartels comes harder drugs, you know, crime, all that. So kind the of cartels thing.
3: raid the farms and take them over? Yeah. That's and kill happened. you? That
1: has happened. That has most certainly so, happened. So the Smith family, instead of growing, you know, cabbage and corn, now they're going to grow marijuana. And so they 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 plow up five hundred acres and start a marijuana farm, right? Legally, they went through yeah. all the per- permits procedures. Mm-hmm. The cartel just is going to come over and come in and say, well, "This is ours now," unless you hire security.
3: Wow. They just take My it mouth over. Is
1: agape. I, I'm.
3: And they <laughs> reap your. Are we not they in reap America crops? anymore. The
4: cartels are a very, very, very serious problem as far as, you know, even legally growing marijuana. Yeah. I mean, if they, they see it's like, okay, this guy has all the proper paperwork, that means we don't have to watch out for the police. We're going to come in and strong arm them out of their business, basically. Okay. So me, did
1: they say, oh, we're going to buy this from you? You can you can sign this contract or like they did Frank Sinatra if back in the – you want to keep the, your feet. With you know, the Tommy her- Dorsey, Dorsey Orchestra. Guy, yeah, yeah. It's uh, – yeah.
4: It's, Ruben,
3: let me ask They you, don't ask nice. Let me ask you a question yeah. about, about um, recreational use of marijuana. If I get a license to be your recreational grower and I put my marijuana in a jar – and then Mike is growing it illegally in his backyard or on his patio and he puts it's his in a mar- bedroom under he, under lights. He puts his marijuana in a jar. What's the difference? I mean is it is is illegally grown marijuana any different than legally grown
4: uh, I mean, no, no, not really. I mean, it, it, that all depends on, like, the seeds you use and how you grow it. and what, There's different you know. variations, right? Right. You if can... you're growing hydroponically, if you're growing from the dirt, if you're, you know, all, all that kind of stuff varies in to what the end product is going to be.
3: Okay. There will always be an illegal marijuana
4: oh, yeah. industry. Oh, yeah. There's always going to be a black market for everything. I mean, okay. You know, for legal stuff. I can go get a black market, you know, DVD player right now.
3: But will it be cheaper? Will illegal marijuana be cheaper, or is it going to be cheaper if it's the legal weed? Uh, but,
1: the, but like like bl- DVDs, okay? You, br- right. you bring that up. If you go get a black market DVD, um, chances are the quality isn't going to be as good. No, no, no. no. And and yeah, in a lot of cases,
4: uh, in a lot of cases, what's being put out there, from what I understand, illegally is stuff that's rejected from the dispensaries and legal. States.
3: Ah, So it's junk marijuana. Right. And and I want to clarify this because we're running out of time. Ruben does not buy marijuana illegally. No. no, Ruben has a (laughs) he has a prescription for marijuana. So I'm not I mean we make fun of it. We make fun of it, but you have a legal reason To get your marijuana, I'm not going to put your business all out there, but you, but you do. Right. I mean, I'll put your business all out there if you want. But
1: (laughs) you just did.
4: Yeah, sorry. (laughs) You just did.
3: That's very good.
4: (laughs) No, uh, yeah, I'm I'm open about it, and and all all of my knowledge about cartels and stuff just goes back to my obsession with crime, not necessarily drugs. Okay. Yeah,
3: it's interesting. Well, the poll's up right now. Keelnews.com. Do you think recreational marijuana should now be legal in Louisiana?
1: Which, does that include the gummies and things that we were talking about? What do you mean? Would, would Legalized marijuana. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that, that, that'll, that'll open that market up completely. Absolutely, I mean, you, yeah. You, you can, can already go in and buy Sour Smash gummies or whatever that look like the real thing. Right, yeah, yeah. right. With THC in them. I don't
3: think the bill has a chance, but again, they're they're going to try. They're trying. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't know how, but I'm more confused now than I was before. <laughs> 101.7 FM. 1017 FM, 710 KEO. Mike and McCarty. we were, a discussion on legalizing marijuana in Louisiana. Oh. Streetport <laughs> Security Systems message board. Uh, some of you guys are hilarious. Uh, we did get a, a, a message that says, I live where it's legal. You can smell it everywhere. Your car while driving all over apartment buildings i'm all for people having choice for themselves but i should not have to have my kids exposed to this everywhere Hmm. would it be like uh i mean i would i would assume the non-smoking ordinances would uh, apply to to that as well
3: yeah i mean if you can't
1: fire up a marlboro you shouldn't be able to fire up a doobie
3: right right exactly it you know it's not gonna pass i you know it's they've tried it in louisiana before um you know we'll see we'll see what happens i mean you know lawmakers are not likely to move it forward it's going to i think the criminal justice committee first and you know we'll see what happens what's
1: the what's the infamous highland tape oh i don't know ruben do you know we had a message that says ruben needs to get a black market vhs player So we can hear about the infamous
4: highlight. Oh, the the VHS tape
1: that I caught at one of the that
4: I still don't know what's on it. Oh,
3: yeah, (laughs)
4: that's it. It it dawned on me.
3: I was like, Squirrel, (laughs) what are we talking about? Oh man.
1: Oh gosh, Mayor Cantrell. I want to talk about Mayor Cantrell. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me why, but Mm -hmm. uh, when we come back, Michael McCarty, one zero one seven. 101.7 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Okay, I saw a report that talked about the uh, recall effort. Mayor Kentrell, I need you to give me an update. You're much smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, that said they've come to an agreement. Now, does that mean that they're, uh, they're agreeing not to... Go forward with the recall?
3: What no, does this mean? No, it looks like, uh, and this is from Secretary of State Kyle Ardwan, they've reached a consent judgment. It's kind of a lot of, lot of legal gibberish about the proposed mayoral recall. Now, the lieutenant governor told us yesterday they had enough signatures Uh, To force a recall election. I'm not certain that they have completely certified it yet. But um, what this agreement does, according to uh, Secretary of State Kyle Ardwan, it shows the number of qualified electors in New Orleans. They agree now both sides that the number of voters is two hundred and twenty four thousand down from an, a 249,000 number that they had earlier that the Cantrell camp was saying, hey, it's 249,000 voters, so you need a certain percentage of that, whatever it was. I'm, okay, I'm so they're sure. saying
1: those are the number of, of registered voters in,
3: in New that Orleans. district. So, Right, okay, in the city okay. of New Orleans. Not
1: that they have them on the petition.
3: No, 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 that's the number, and you need – I forget the percentage. You can look it up, Google it real quick, but you need a certain percentage – to force a recall election, so this means because the lower the number is lower, you don't need as many signatures on your petition, okay. which means ah. the petition could then be certified, and you could force the governor. The governor could would then be forced to call a recall election. And remember, the recall election is not um, it's a yay or nay. Do you support recalling the mayor of New Orleans? Right. Yes or no. And if it if folks say no, then she's not recalled. Sure, she stays sure. in office. It's, so how
1: many how many signatures do they have now? Do you, I don't I do you don't know, off, I the don't of know off
3: the top of my head, and and, th- really and that's part of the problem is say they have fifty thousand, you then have to go through each name mm-hmm. and make sure that person's a registered voter in New Orleans. Maybe they're in Jefferson Parish. Maybe they're you know. Uh, across they the bridge died
1: yeah. 10 years ago
3: right and maybe they they're no longer registered they thought they were but they're no longer registered so it's a big process to go through all that now i don't know you know who is actually doing that is it going to be the clerk of court in orleans is it going to be the secretary of state uh is it going to be the registrar voters i'm somebody with with uh you know, above my pay grade would would know that. I'm going to look into it today a little bit and see who's actually doing the work on it.
1: Now, it's nigh on impossible to actually recall
3: right. an elected official. It really is. And, 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 and this
1: is being illustrated right now mm-hmm. of how difficult it is. Oh,
3: it's a tough task. And, and again, you're trying to recall a mayor who got 60% of the vote. So if you put that back on the ballot, do you want to recall her or not? If she musters enough people to get out to vote, you know, don't recall me, Mm -hmm. she wins and she stays mayor. Um, If she doesn't win, from what Scott Hughes told us, she's out immediately. I mean, if they vote to recall her, she's out immediately. The governor appoints an interim mayor until an election can be held. Um, And that's why the governor, it would behoove the governor to move on it quickly, because if he doesn't, then the next governor would appoint the mayor. You know, if he puts this on the November ballot...
1: And, and odds, odds, odds are, mm-hmm. I'm not making predictions, odds are it's going to be a Republican governor.
3: Right. So he's going to... John Bill Edwards will have this all settled before he leaves office. I promise you. Um, I mean, and and the election will be held in the fall to give him time enough where, you know, if she's recalled, he can put somebody in place and then call the election sometime in the spring. Um,
1: So we've heard they have the required number of signatures.
3: That's what Billy Nungesser told us yesterday. Now, I don't know if he's got some inside info, but he says he's urging the governor to call the election ASAP so that they can move on that quickly and have the actual mayoral election this fall. I mean, he wants the recall election done quickly. I think it's too late, you know, to be on a spring ballot. I think the deadlines have already passed to be on a March or April ballot, obviously, so do you have a special election in the summer, or do you put it on one of the fall ballots that's already scheduled? That's the big question. I'm not sure what they'll Good do. Good Lord.
1: It's fall? You're looking at – she's still going to be in office for another year, even
3: well, after – Yeah, the problem with that is to, to have an election in the summer, they're not typically scheduled. So you'd have to have a special election, and that comes with a cost. And if you've already got an election scheduled in October, which we probably do, um, do you wait and go ahead and put it on that ballot? I mean, that's a, that's something the governor's going to have to decide. And, you know, it'll have to be an election that – I don't know who foots the bill for the election. Is it Orleans? Is it New Orleans? Is it the state? Um, a lot of unanswered questions for me about it. But I, I just know do you, do, this who, mayor's a problem.
1: Well, yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, cr- crime has gone rampant in New Orleans. mm mm-hmm. um, She was, uh, not falsifying, let me restate that, she was on her travel expenses. Oh, gosh. She bumped up all of her travel to first first class. class. Mm -hmm. She was traveling around the world, claiming it was doing city business. I don't know how much city business Sweden has for the city of New Orleans. France,
3: yeah, exactly. France. Mm -hmm. And
1: you're going there first class on the taxpayer's dime, which she, was she eating, ended up uh, yeah. having to pay back.
3: She did. I don't think she was eating fast food either. I think she was dining pretty nicely.
1: She was using a city-owned uh, downtown apartment for her personal use, um, apparently, allegedly, mm-hmm. with uh, one of her security officers, Yeah, where, with, where there was more than planning uh, for her next trip going on
3: there. Right. Allegedly. And, yeah. and if you heard the lieutenant governor yesterday, let me read the quote, because it's pretty scathing i it kind of surprised me when he new, said this new orleans is in a spiral and we have to do something about it with all the positive things going on in new orleans we need a shake-up in new orleans to change things i mean he went on and on and you can see the that report at keelnews.com he you know he proposed and you know it was kind of stunning last year when he told uh, robert and i that he wants the state to take over the french quarter he thinks that should be a state considered a state park or a state historic area and there should be a board appointed to run it. It should no longer be under the control of the city of New Orleans. And you come and that board wow, would come in with security. That board would come in and run that whole operation. Cause as he told us yesterday, he is frightened of a restaurant, one of the famous restaurants in the French quarter saying I've had enough. We're closing. Yeah, We can't take this anymore. And he said it's already, he's seeing a ripple effect. People are already deciding, I'm not going to the French Quarter. Too dangerous.
1: Right. Well, people saying, I'm not going to New Orleans.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's which a problem. Is, which is
1: a, a huge problem. You bet. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks for that catch up. hmm 1017 FM. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Talking about the Guaranteed Income Program in Shreveport. I, 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 I was under the misnomer that it was city funding, and it's not.
3: No, it's not. Most You said of it, some of it's private? Much of it is private, yeah. there's a, And there's a piece of And much of it in most cities is private money. But what happened here is Caddo Power, the Caddo Commission voted to add money to the program to help impact more people and so there is public money involved um 110 people have been getting 660 dollars a month for a year and you know they're doing the they're doing the exit interviews if you will to find out what changed are Has there your life stipulations
1: changed? on the money is oh, there are there restrictions on what you can or cannot spend it on
3: um there weren't there weren't so you can buy
1: if, nike nike shoes if you
3: if you wanted to the goal was to try to find use the money to do things like tuition things that would help you get out of poverty but in new orleans funny we should mention this they used it there for teenage boys
1: who (laughs) who didn't have the requirements were you were not to have a job
3: not in school no job what do teenage boys do better than anything in the world waste money
1: video games blow money drugs
3: Sneakers? Are you asking
1: how? Yeah.
3: The, the, that money was Guns? probably not productive. And I, and I hazard to think. Who, but who, who thought, thought that, that was, was a good a, Yeah.
1: Who thought that was a good idea? I
3: mean, seriously.
1: Okay, we're going to give out $600 a month, but uh, only to 15-year-old mm-hmm. males? Yeah. Or, or just fifteen-year-olds.
3: It was males. It was it
1: fifteen-year-old males. You can't have a job. Mm-hmm. You can't be in school. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna pay you. <sighs> Aaron, Play video Oh games. my, oh my god! Now the Shreveport I feel, wait a minute, I feel my blood pressure going yeah. up.
3: The Shreveport restrictions were way better. Uh, you had to be a uh, single parent with a child in school, a child that was enrolled in school, um, and. Or, Graham, you could have been a grandmother, but if, as long as you were the head of household and you had a kid living with you that was in school, you were eligible. 20,000-plus people applied. Think that. Think about that number. 20,000-plus people applied. For 100? 100. 110 people were granted the okay. money. Um, did they improve their lives? Are they out of poverty? Did it work? Was it a start?
1: When did the program end? Because it's over. It just did.
3: Yeah, it just ended at the end of February. And now they're doing the evaluations. They're doing the follow-up interviews to see what did you use the money for. And, you know, I've requested the information from the city.
1: Were they required to keep receipts on how they spent the money? It's a good
3: question. I don't know. I I, I know they did a preliminary report at the halfway mark. Because they can say anything. Yeah, they could tell you anything.
1: I, I, uh, right. Yeah.
3: I I used it to buy books rice, for my child. Rice
1: and sugar in bread.
3: Right. And I started selling cookies, or I started you know whatever. Um, the thing is, once you once you stepped your toe in, you gave out public money. You made the whole program accessible to the public. So we'll we'll soon be able to know who the names were. These people. You know what information do you have about them? I mean, if you wanted to keep it private you shouldn't have dipped public money into the pot because now that right. you dipped public money in it makes it public and so i have just sent a public records request out this morning and i'm going to continue to follow up i want to know what did these people do with the money how did they spend it have their lots in life improved are they now out of poverty do we need to continue it another year and i've asked the mayor for his opinion too what's is he going to propose continuing it
1: interesting i can't i can't wait to see mm-hmm. the follow-up on this you bet One oh one seven fm tomorrow